0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, It's good to be here. Um, And for those of you who are watching, I'm glad that you'll be tuning in, uh, being fed by this this word as well. Uh, Let's go ahead and pray. Uh, God, we just thank you for another opportunity um, to gather, um, to worship your name. And we ask that you would just uh, be pleased today with how we uh, worship you through now the preached word. Um, And everyone who's watching, I ask that you would transform their lives, Lord God, Uh, that they would not see this as a form of entertainment, uh, but they would see it as a a way to glorify you, Lord God, by proclaiming the gospel, by proclaiming the good news. Uh, We don't know who's going to watch this. We don't know what states will see this, Lord God. Uh, But we ask that it would be transformative, Lord God, that you would be glorified, Lord God. And as the old preachers would say, that the devil will be horrified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to see y'all. Uh, let's jump into this word this morning. Uh, so we're going to be in uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 16. Um, and for you who are watching, it'll be on the screen. We'll be in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 13 through 18 and what's called the New American Standard Bible. Now, everyone here, you can turn in your own, on your smart devices um, and go ahead and look in there. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, again, in the New American Standard Bible. And I'll begin reading at verse 13, which says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He was asking his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my father who is in heaven, verse 18 says this. I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades. Some translations say hell will not overpower it. You may be seated. Uh, I want to focus most of our attention on verse 18, which reads this. I will build my church. That's a good word right there. Uh, if you look at it, verse 18 says, I will build my church now throughout the years i've had numerous conversations with, with, with lots of people concerning their views about church uh, i've even talked to some of y'all about uh the church and and i've heard uh you know some of uh, your interpretations of what you think just through private conversations casual conversations um but 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 i found that there are a variety of misconceptions about the church now now, they are legitimate uh, misconceptions, but misconceptions nonetheless. Uh, and, and this, what I'm going to give you, is not an exhaustive list. It's just a few things that I've heard I want to jot down. We can, you know, write down a, a whole lot more. Once you hear one, it might trigger a whole another one. Uh, but, but one of the misconceptions I heard is that the church is simply a building, that, that it's just a building, uh, a brick and mortar. It's just a, a, a place of bricks. It's just a facility. Uh, And how did this come to be? How did people come to see uh, the church as just a building? I I believe it's because we spent so many years uh, with a stronger emphasis on the place versus caring on the people meeting in it. Uh, A lot of emphasis on the place, having the building, care for the building, got to have the lawn, got to have the upkeep, got to pay the bills, got to keep the air on, caring for the building but not an emphasis strongly on caring for the people in it. Uh, Another misconception is that the church is irrelevant. It's just, just, man, it's not relevant anymore. Uh, Why? Uh, Because some people in our communities have felt disconnected from the church's presence and the church's preaching. Just disconnected. From the presence of the church in the community and, and, and the preaching that is coming out of that church. People have felt this, this disconnect. Yeah, Dr. Eric Mason, uh, in his book entitled Woke Church, he writes this. He, he says, The church must reclaim its prophetic voice. Whew. I love that because I believe in prophetic preaching. He, he says in the book, He says that the church must reclaim. Is prophetic voice. Prophetic preaching must be clear on the issues of our day. This is what he says. He says, such as classism, sexism, elitism, poverty, ignorance, wealth, greed, and etc. He goes on to say that we as the church must address the things that happen in our culture exegetically, expositionally, theologically, historically, critically, lovingly, passionately, humbly, and with Christ at the center of the church, end quote. Uh, Another misconception is this, that churches only want your money. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I I can see why people think that. Uh, Especially when you have leaders that have mishandled the resources of so many people, especially those who are Mm -hmm. under-resourced. And and then with the caricatures on on television networks with a prosperity gospel that is no gospel at all. Mm -hmm. So I understand this misconception, right? Uh, The last misconception I want to say is that some people think that uh, I can have church alone. That the church is just me. Uh, Because our culture reinforces a lifestyle of isolation where where it's all about me and my exclusive relationship. It's all about me. I don't need to go to church. I know the Lord. I can have church in in my room uh, on the bed by myself. You know that bedside Baptist church theory? Yeah, I can do church by myself, right? Uh, Sometimes our misconceptions, y'all follow me. Sometimes our misconceptions come from our own false expectations. Yeah. While other times they come from broken promises. Sometimes our misconceptions come from our own false expectations while other times they come from broken promises. Right. And we are definitely in a season of promises. Yeah, this is an election season, so we get a lot of promises right now with people who are running for office uh, and, and the campaigns, they, they make themselves full of promises. They, they, they it, It's like promises are the platform. Promises. Promises here. Promises there. Promises. Yeah, some of the promises, I, I, I promise to build better schools. It's, it's a promise, right? Uh, a promise to build fair economic infrastructures. Promises. To build uh, recreational parks uh, and for kids, promises uh, that 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 I'm uh, going to do this, I'm going to do that for your for your com- for your community, for your neighborhood, all these promises, right? And, and like I think my daughter would say this: I'm over it, period. <laughs> 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 just just period. I I I am over it, period. Just just I I'm I'm done with the promises, right? Because I don't know about y'all, but I'm sick and tired of promises, right? I don't put all my hope into people anyway. Mm -hmm. Amen. And in our text, we find Jesus making a promise, and it's a promise that he kept. He kept this promise. And the promise is in verse 18 where he says this. He says, I will. That's a promise. I will build my church. I will is a promise. He promises then, and the promise has continued. It's a promise. And the disciples, get this, the disciples just like us needed that promise. They needed that promise while living in a society with governmental and religious leaders who did not have their best interests at hand. They needed the promise with a government that was oppressive, with religious leaders that were oppressive, Uh, They needed that promise because they were joining this new movement that was led by Jesus and it was going to cost them everything. Following Jesus costs everything. It will cost them everything. And they needed to know that following Jesus was not going to be in vain, that their commitment to Jesus was not in vain. So he gave them a promise. Amen. He promised them. And this is the first time in recorded history uh, that we see this word church spoken of. It's the first time documented history. It's pronounced ecclesia. It's a little cute Greek word. Uh, it, it, it's, it's two compound phrases out of and to call. Uh, better said, to call out of and gather. It's the ecclesia. We are the ecclesias. We are, we are the called out ones who are gathering together, right? But here's my question. What is the church, what is the the called out ones built upon? Huh? What is the church built upon? The first thing the church is built upon is our confession of faith. Yeah, yeah, our confession of faith. Our confession of faith is what differentiates us and, and differentiates all other gatherings of worship huh? see see Muslims gather to worship hindus gather to worship buddhists gather to worship orthodox jews gather to worship jehovah witnesses mormons scientologists gather to worship but they don't hold to the same confession of faith okay they don't they, they, they would say they would agree that jesus was a prophet and that jesus was a good man and that jesus had moral character but they don't confess what we confess And we confess the same thing that Peter confessed in verse 16, that Jesus is the Christ, son of the living God. That's our confession of faith, right? We confess faith in and submit under his power to save and his authority to rule. That is our confession of faith. Our confession of faith does not come from intellect, how much we know. Our confession of faith does not come from our family background. Our confession of faith does not come from our social club or or the college that we attended, right? Uh, it, it, It is not that. The confession of faith is because we have been revealed it by God himself. The spirit of God worked on our heart and our mind. God himself revealed who he was to us. And just like Peter, he's done the same with us, right? And any group that has labeled themselves a church, but limits Jesus to merely a prophet or a good man, is not the church that Jesus is referring to in the text. And our confession of faith will be tested. Oh, what we say we believe will be tested. Our confession of faith will be tested. It's going to be tested by our internal mental battles. And it's going to be tested by the external battles of this world and by Satan. Our confession of faith will be tested. It's tested every day. Sometimes it's tested by just ourselves. Right? Am I saved? Am I really saved? (laughs) Confession of faith. Right? In Matthew 7, verse 21, in the New International Version, it says this Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Confession and conversion are tied together. Hear this Confession and conversion conversion are tied together they're bound together when we hear the word conversion just think of new think think of repentance think of of turning in a new direction think think of it like that our our life was headed one way but God turned us in a new direction i.e. conversion okay conversion is much different than, than 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 simply behavior modification Conversion is not just simply behavior modification. I know a lot of people that have changed their behavior, but on the inside, they're still the same. Okay, so I've shared some of these examples before and and I'm going to share some again because they're just so relevant. Right. So so you have a person who is very nice, very polite, opens doors. Uh, They would be considered the the model citizen. Uh, They do everything that that is right. But on the inside, they have uh, anger. On the inside, they talk about folks. They tear them down. Uh, On on the inside, they just have all these ugly thoughts. On the inside, they think less of other folks. And and what they have on the outside is just camouflage. It's covering up that they have not changed. It's camouflaging an unconverted heart. Okay? Now, what about grandma? Grandmama's so sweet. Grandmama can bake them good pies. Grandmama can cook. Grandmama walks slow. But grandma got a pass. <laughs> and, and we love to gather at Grandmama's house for holidays, right? But see, people will tell stories about how grandmama used to cut a fool. Grandmama used to cut up and, and grandmama stopped. And everybody talking about how sweet she is. It's not that she's sweet. it's she old? She doesn't have the same energy that she used to have when she was younger. So 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 she can't do the same things that she used to do. It's not that she's been converted. Right? Or, or what about the, the guy who used to sell drugs The biggest dope boy in the community right? you, you know that dude he changed He don't sell dope no more because his mama died of an overdose So he said I, I ain't selling dope no more Why? Because he felt guilty about what happened to his mom Not because he was converted Right But a genuine Confession Of faith Is the response Of a genuine conversion right the the church is secondly built upon the collective whole and not an individual the church is built upon our confession of faith but it's also built upon the collective whole not an individual we love celebrities in our culture it's, it's built upon the collective whole. So, so we're attracted to certain personalities on social media and entertainment and sports and, and certain individuals in church. And, and personalities aren't bad. It's okay to have our favorite preacher, favorite athlete, favorite person, favorite singer. That's all, It's all good, right? It's, it's all good. Uh, you know, individuals, are, we have this person that we like, but an individual in church cannot sustain us. An individual cannot sustain the church. Individuals will fail us. People fail us. I'm going to fail somebody. People die, right? People really locate. They move away. People change. People have bad days. People just quit, right? And, And thinking that the church is built on one individual is bad theology. But where'd it come from? It came from Catholicism. And in Catholicism, the long-standing view teaches that Peter was that individual, that, that he was the individual, that he was the first pope, that, that, that he was given some kind of, uh, of mystical authority that has been passed down to a succession of leaders that came after him, right? And let me say forthrightly that, that Peter, he was pivotal in the expansion. And the growth of the church, but he was not some supreme individual or, or the validation for anyone to think that the church is built on an individual. The church is not built on one pastor or one bishop or one layperson or one deacon or one apostle, whatever you want to call yourself, one elder. It's built on the collective whole. And, and Peter, like every leader, could never carry the entire weight of the church. Only Jesus can, huh? Mm-hmm. But but it derived from this. It, it, it derived also from his name. See, Peter's name would be translated this: uh, Petros, with an O, uh, meaning small rock or small pebble. Petros, rock, small rock. And, and the word rock in verse eighteen is translated. Petros with an A. So you got Petros, small rock, small pebble. Then you got Petros, which is big rock, large stone, large mass. Peter, small rock. We small. Small pebble. Together, large mass, large rock. Y'all see where I'm going, right? Huh? So upon this massive rock, I will build my church, not on the individual pebble or stone. Amen. And interesting enough, where Jesus is in this region, it's called Caesarea Philippi. So it's named from Caesar Augustus and from Herod Philip. So Caesarea Philippi, they used to have these wild festivals. Now, now it, it was wilder than Mardi Gras. So just think of anything you could think of was happening in Caesarea Philippi. All kinds of immorality was happening in Caesarea Philippi, right? And, and, and they were doing these things as worship to the Greek God called Pan. Half man, half goat. Just all kinds of freaky stuff. Just anything freaky you could think of was done. And it was done on full display on a large rock platform. And it looked like a stage. So Jesus is saying upon this rock, I will build my church. Rock, large, massive stone. Rock, large, massive stone. Come on now. Rock. Our confession of faith right play on words but thirdly we see this that the church is built upon christ himself christ himself ephesians 2 verse 20 and 21 says this together we are his house not separated but together Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. That's what the text says. We are carefully joined together in him. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Now listen, if you ever seen a house being built and you from the ground up, they have something called a cornerstone. The purpose of the cornerstone is to keep two walls from falling in. It it keeps them propped up, it keeps them held together. Jesus is the one connecting us and keeping us from falling in. He, He is keeping us held together from falling to pieces. And why wouldn't he do it? Why wouldn't he keep us? Why wouldn't he keep us when we belong to him? And how do I know we belong to him? Because he says, I will build my church. We belong to him. The church does not belong to an individual. And what's crazy and what I love at the same time is that it's made up of individuals that are not alike. That that this place, Caesarea Philippi, that he was at would have all kinds of immoral acts by all kinds of folk doing all kinds of things on full display. And if we think long enough, we have done some immoral things that have been on full display, but God chose us and brought us in to the church and formed the collective whole. And and our faith is not built on faith in itself. Our faith is built on Christ himself. That we... Stand on Christ and he's keeping us together as the cornerstone. And and what I love about him, he is going to protect what belongs to him. He he says that the gates of Hades will not overpower that the gates of hell. Now, listen, let me tell you what this is. This is a Jewish idiom. It's a Jewish idiom that literally meant that that, that there was nothing uh, about death that was going to stop us. It was, it was, talking about death, that death will not overpower what Jesus has been protecting, huh? That, that sin and death will not overtake the church. As a matter of fact, if one of us dies, the church still keeps going on because God has kept his promise. The, the church is going to outlive us on this earth and throughout eternity, right? So, 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 so what I like is that even when the church is persecuted, the church multiplies. The, the church is still moving forward. The church is still equipping. The church is still clothing the naked. The church is still healing the brokenhearted. The church is still feeding the hungry. The church is still visiting those locked up. The church is still caring for the widows. The church is still adopting folk who don't have mothers and fathers. The church is still being the church when the society that we live in doesn't think we are. Because Jesus says this. And, and, and Paul spoke it. Jesus says this. Jesus says this. And Paul was speaking, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Christ Jesus. The church has victory. Because Jesus has kept his promise. Glory be to God. Huh? Glory. He's the one keeping us together. Huh? The church is built on our confession of faith and who he is. The church is built on the collective whole, who we are together. Huh? And the church is built on Christ himself and he will protect what belongs to him. Amen. And I pray that we'll keep that, that no matter what we go through, that we know that Jesus is still keeping us. Amen. God, we thank you. We ask that we would just have that word sealed in our heart, oh God. And that it would be the springboard for our life. That we know that we are the church because you've called us. We're not the church because we've done something so good. We are the church because you have called us. Now help us, Lord God, to let our light so shine before men that they would see our good works and glorify you who are in heaven. That is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.